You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 470 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February 25th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode of the podcast. Uh, I'm going to make this a quick intro here because we've got a long episode and it's very late at night and I just want to get this thing posted. So uh, on today's show, I am joined by John Corrales. He is the co-host of Locked on Celtics and we dove into the matchup coming up Tuesday night. The Raptors and Celtics, of course, taking on each other in their fourth and final matchup of the season. Should be a good one. Should be full of hot takes and intrigue and all that good stuff that we love to uh, get deep into. We got kind of existential in this one. It was uh, kind of a fun conversation and we got into some sort of bigger picture stuff just like surrounding the Raptors and Celtics as teams this season that people are watching and following and uh, getting really upset about. So good conversation with myself and John. Hope you enjoy it. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review to all the Lockdown podcasts, including Lockdown Celtics and this one, Lockdown Raptors, on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, any place to get your podcast. It's super duper helpful for rankings and algorithms and making us more visible and collecting more listeners and all that stuff. So thank you very much if you're taking the time to do that. I'm going to get to the conversation right now with myself and John Corrales. Uh, it'll be a quick break before we get into the conversation, then we will get straight to it. Uh, so thanks so much for joining us. We'll talk to you next time on Lockdown Raptors. How much importance are you putting on the results of this game? Yeah, this is tough because I, I'm i still kind of operating under the assumption that eventually Boston's going to move into the three seed and then like a Raptors-Celtics second round matchup will be in the cards. So like you want to see them you want to see the Raptors play well you want to see the Raptors kind of improve upon the things that have gone wrong late in the games in Boston the last two times they've played but like I don't I just this is my problem that I'm having right now and I've been thinking about this since yesterday when the Raptors lost to the Magic and everyone had like an existential crisis about the Raptors it's like I don't really know how much I care about this regular season at all anymore it's just the Raptors season has been so disjointed. They have had very little continuity. They've injured. They've had injuries. They've had trades. They've had Kawhi sitting out for load management. They've had just like very little in the way of consistency across the board. And I still look at the Raptors and I look at their roster and I think like this team can make a finals. They're very talented. They're extremely experienced, like in a way that they haven't been before. Their best players, I think, translate to the playoffs in a way that their best players haven't before. So I still really believe in what the Raptors are going to be in the playoffs. And I don't think this game against the Celtics is going to change that all that much. But uh, it's just, yeah, you want to see them win it, probably. And you want to see sort of how they go about beating the Celtics and some matchup stuff. I want to see how Marc Gasol looks in this matchup to see how he matches up against Al Horford because, you know, that's going to be, I think, a big point of contention if a series comes across. If it's Raptors-Celtics, like, are you going to be able to play Gasol in that series or are you going to have to ride a Baca pretty hard? And if that's the case, like, maybe that's not a bad thing. I know the Raptors starters with a Baca in there have been like a plus 20 net rating against Boston in like 56 minutes this year. So maybe you just want to see a continuation of that to prove that that's actually a lineup that's going to be viable against Boston. Um, I'm truthfully not entirely sure what I hope to see from this game because the Raptors have been so (laughs) all over the place. It's just, I, I, and I keep thinking about last regular season and how 
how comfortable Raptors fans were and how their numbers were like Milwaukee-esque where they were just blowing everyone else out. Their their net rating was incredible. One of the best you've ever seen from any team in the Eastern Conference. Um, like I think the best of like the, the LeBron post first Cavs era like teams. Like it was just, they were really, really good. And then you get to the playoffs and like you go into the postseason, the Cavs are a tire fire. Boston's kind of disjointed after their start where they go 15-2. and two. And then from the, the, there on out, the Raptors are very much the best team. And then you have the Sixers going in on a crazy hot run winning all of those games to close the season and then ultimately I don't think any of that regular season stuff really mattered and so now I've just become nihilist Sean I suppose where I suppose nothing matters in the regular season <laughs> and I'm just waiting for the postseason to come but I don't know how are you feeling about this one in terms of its importance for what's to come down the road so first of all before I get into that I think it's funny that so much of what you said sounds like it could have come out of the Celtics fans mouth the <laughs> The regular season is so disjointed, and it's been up and down, and we don't know what to make of certain things. And it, it, it's funny, it hasn't been the same type of stuff. But to hear that coming from somebody who follows the 44-17 and 17 Raptors, who are still only two games out of the top seed, so you still have a chance to get that top seed, theoretically, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. Because the Celtics are sitting here as the fifth seed, and... Cruising along for so much of the, the, this, you know, it, it, it's so up and down. We cruise, 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 and all of a sudden, three game of just complete crap in my in Orlando, Miami, and Brooklyn, and then those two horrible losses to the LA teams, and then oh well, we beat we beat Philly, and that's good, and we beat Detroit. Detroit's playing pretty well, that's good. You come out, you lose to the Bucks, and then to lose to the Bulls, we're just like, that's it, sky's falling. Everybody's writing like I. I was halfway through a piece of this is who these guys are, and this is that's it. It's all we can expect from them. And I took a, a step back and I was like, wait a second. Now they've still won six, almost sixty-two percent of their games. Mm-hmm. They've they've done fairly well. The problem with the Celtics is the losses that they have are brutal. Mm-hmm. So they they lost to the Bulls in just a disgusting fashion. It would be very on brand for the Celtics to come out and beat Toronto. Mm-hmm. It be, that it's exactly in the playbook for them to come out and beat Toronto now, uh, and they did that the last time because that was the game where Kyrie Irving revealed, "Oh yeah, I'm having trouble. I was I realized I was having trouble as a leader, and I called LeBron." <laughs> that the Celtics were just coming off that road trip. They had a horrible loss in Miami, a, a disgusting loss in Orlando. Uh, an equally bad loss in Brooklyn, although they didn't have Kyrie in that one. And then they came out and they beat the Raptors after that. And it was like, see, that's exactly that's exactly on brand for them. So it's it's almost like watching a boxer who has a good record and is in contention for the the championship, but every time he loses, he gets like knocked the hell out. Mm-hmm. And you're like, geez, it's not. He doesn't just lose. He loses badly. He wins a lot of fights and. Against other good fighters, they does pretty well, holds his own. But against bad fighters, he just gets glass chin knocked out. That's that's the Celtics. So I wonder. I, sorry, yeah. I wonder if like the because it does feel like that with the Raptors too. Anytime they lose, like yesterday, like I mentioned, they'd won seven in a row, and it wasn't like a very convincing seven game winning streak, and it was super bizarre um, with a lot of like injuries and like a third of the roster turning over and all this stuff within that span. 
But, like, they lose to the Magic yesterday, and it's just like, let's call it Nick Nurse. Is Nick Nurse even good at coaching? Should he even be an NBA <laughs> coach? Should he be coaching back in England? Like, it's just like, it gets so oh heated. God. And I wonder if just, like, I kind of wonder if just, like, the paranoia and just, like, the madness that seems to be seeping into the brains of a lot of the fans of these teams in the East, like, myself included, I guess. Um, but, like, it just, I wonder if it's just a result of how much there is riding on this postseason run for both for all of these teams like obviously Philly has Butler and Tobias Harris and Milwaukee has four-fifths of their starting lineup and obviously Kyrie is looming in a very strange and very public way in Boston and then Kawhi less publicly but very much still there that thing still looms as well and it's, and it's just like if it doesn't go perfectly the future of all of these teams could be drastically changed so maybe it is like justified to be concerned that everything isn't looking you know just spick and span at this point of the season we are there's only 20 games or so left like i guess maybe it's time for them to really kind of like all these teams to find their groove and it just kind of feels like none of them really are except for milwaukee that which might be the team that i believe in the least right now it's it's very very bizarre i have no idea how to sort of like i've been thinking about this and everyone has been ever since like the trades went down or even before that but just like the top of the East is so fascinating and confusing to me. And in the middle of it, you have like Indiana winning all these games and screwing everything up and making the potential of a Boston Philly <laughs> first round series, a delicious Boston Philly first round series, like very much a possibility. It's just everyone's brains are poisoned by what's going on right now. And I think a lot of it is just because of the stakes riding on all of it. it, it well, there's that. It, it, there's There are obvious glaring things with each one of these teams you start at the top milwaukee so obviously they've got Giannis, and they they're playing extraordinarily well Mm -hmm. but do you trust eric bledsoe in the playoffs do you think that nikola miritich can come through and make a, a huge difference uh from a boston perspective i don't know maybe even from a toronto perspective is that i know that from from mine i look at it and say well they could they can play Brook Lopez off the floor. They can they can scheme him off the floor because of Al Horford, just like you were talking about. And we'll get into the, the Toronto matchup. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And 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 with the Toronto matchup, there's there's all of this uh, potential. Indiana, yeah, they're playing well and they're they're making up for the the loss of uh, Oladipo. Uh, it's funny. Side note: No one's really saying, "Are they better without Oladipo?" They're just <laughs> people just sit there and be like, "Wow, they're really stepping up. That's great." None of this are they better without Kyrie type of stuff that's coming out of Boston. Just mm-hmm. a side note. Uh, but they're you're right. They are screwing things up. But they don't have that star. Like they, They're playing great team basketball. But once the playoffs come around, who, who steps up and, and leads them? Philly, great starting lineup, terrible bench. And Embiid, first of all, now the, the injury. And then, again, the Boston matchup with, with Horford. Horford eats up. And beat so. So does Gasol, Celtics, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's it's so wild. Like the Celtics are in the fifth seed, but in any one of these matchups, each each team can make a strong case for winning. So I, I don't I don't know what to think anymore <laughs> with these guys. They have obvious problems, but again, the playoffs are such a different animal. So. Whatever we see tonight with the Raptors and the Celtics, that's that's not what we're going to see if they meet up in the second round or the conference finals, however things shake out. It's it's going to be adjustments. It's going to be matchups. It's going to be, like you said, Marc Gasol and, and uh, Ibaka and what does Kyle Lowry do? 
Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's it's wild. Like, the, the I wonder if we're just, like, just in way too deep. Like, we're, we're just... The analysis is so hyper-focused on every little wart, every little thing mm-hmm. that's out of place. Like, you just can't help... Like, if you take a supermodel's face and you zoom way in, <laughs> you're going to be like, oh, man, look at all these flaws. You pull out, and you're like, this is one of the most gorgeous people I've ever seen in the world. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the Celtics aren't that, but... They're pretty damn good. That there's, <laughs> they're, they're good. They're, they're a good team. Mm-hmm. They're a good team. Like, when you win 62% of your games, you're a good team. The Raptors won 72% of their games. Mm-hmm. You're a really good team. <laughs> but there's still this... this feeling of dread it's it's an interesting point it's an interesting point here that the similarities with uh Kawhi potentially leaving and the uncertainty i guess around Kyrie and how both of our teams could be next season radically different mm-hmm. and the celtics are pursuing anthony davis they're considered to be in the lead for anthony davis are we you could who knows what's going to happen with the raptors so I, th- th- does that kind of uncertainty kind of I don't know frame how you look at what's happening with this team with, yeah. with this with this matchup especially with us none of this is enjoyable <laughs> that's the thing it's like it's the joy <laughs> of like being a fan and following the team has kind of been lost right now and yeah like I want to, like, break down this matchup with Boston and, like, kind of look into it and think, like, yeah, where is this, like, what are the interesting ways with the places where the Raptors have an advantage? And then, like, you come to a point where it's like, uh-oh, they might not have an advantage here. And then it's like, oh, no, everything's bad now and everything's terrible and it's all going to fall to crap. It's just, it's very, very hard to not zero in all out on that all the flaws, like you said. Like, I think that's a really good analogy you use with the supermodel close up. It's just every little thing could matter down the road, even if it doesn't. Like, it could and so when I'm watching, like, Jeremy Lin and he allows a blow-by or something and it's like, oh, damn, like, is Jeremy Lin going to be able to play in the playoffs? Like, what's going to happen? And it's just like, <laughs> I should be enjoying the integration of Marcus Gasol and his really fun passes and, like, all this stuff and the, and the fanfare around Jeremy Lin. I should be j- enjoying all of that, but there's just so much weight behind all of it like, that I just can't really yet find myself just, like, basking in the glow. It was honestly kind of nice to have a game on Friday with DeMar DeRozan's return where it wasn't even about the on-court product as much as it was just, like, the emotion and the feelings. <laughs> and, like, that was kind of a nice little break because there's not going to be that much of that emotion and feeling stuff. I wrote about this after the Raptors beat the Hawks. The day they made the Marcus Gasol trade, I believe, uh, yeah, I think it was the deadline, and they beat the Hawks without, they only had, like, nine guys in the lineup. Pascal Siakam had 44, he had a career high, and no, there was no Kawhi, and it was just, like, a really fun, weird, bizarre game that didn't really have any stakes because it was, like, there was no expectations for them to win. They had nine guys, and two of them were G-leaguers, and they still ended up pulling out the win, and I wrote, like, this might be the last time it's fun for a while because everything is going to have weight now. And, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I really envy the teams like the Kings who are just, like, enjoying the ride, or, like, the Clippers, where it's just like, yeah, this doesn't matter all that much. We're not going to do anything serious. And it's just the expectations always seem to poison the enjoyment, which is uh, weird 
sports fan thing, but I, I very much come to think of that. Like, I found myself more than any other season longing for the 2013-14 Raptors where they were just, like, surprisingly good and lost in the first round in seven games, and it felt like nice things were coming. This year, it feels like everything is on this one season, and so, yeah, like, I'm going to look at this Boston matchup, and I'm going to watch that game tomorrow, and every little thing that goes wrong, or tonight, whenever this posts, like, I'm going to, everything that goes wrong, I'm going to over overanalyze it just because that's the way my brain is, is conditioned now because it's poisoned. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's so funny. poisoned by expectation. And that's the exact same thing. I, I didn't realize how much we had in common this mm -hmm. season, our two teams, and the way we think of that. That's an interesting thing to have discovered in this podcast because poisoned by expectations is the exact headline of this Celtics season. If this Celtics season didn't if it didn't come in, if we didn't come into this with the Celtics as the really the runaway uh, favorites to, to come out of the East, or mm -hmm. it was it basically was us in Toronto mm -hmm. as seen as the two top teams, and to be the fifth seed now, it's it's oh my god, it's the worst. It's the worst possible thing that could happen. <laughs> Last season was so enjoyable because once Hayward went down and once Kyrie went down. It was, oh, well, it's over. Like, it, it was over once Hayward broke his foot in, in the opening minutes of the season. Like, that was the immediate, it's over. And then they went on that massive winning streak, and things were like, oh, wow, this is a lot of fun. And last, last year's team was a lot of fun because they didn't have any expectations. And this is why I find it very interesting to see what, like, the, the Sacramento Kings are going to be next season. Mm -hmm. Because... This season, they're all dancing on the sidelines, and everybody's having a grand old time. And they're thirty-one and twenty-eight, and no one expected them to be thirty-one and twenty-eight. This is just an amazing team. Every everybody's darling, the Sacramento Kings. Mm -hmm. Next year, they're going to come in with some expectations, and it's going to be like, "Huh, the Kings were pretty good last year. Can they keep it up? I think they can keep it up. Look at these guys. Look at this. Look at Buddy here. Look at the Air Fox." All of a sudden, guys are going to start feeling the weight of that. They're going to start wanting to get their own attention. They're going to start to want to get their own buzz, awards, and all that stuff. The natural thing that happens with young teams. The same stuff that happened with the Boston Celtics with these guys. <laughs> with Tatum and Brown and Rozier coming in after having worked out with Kobe and T-Mac and gotten, gotten a shoe deal and all that stuff. Wanting a little bit more of that attention. Wanting a little bit more of that shine. And things change. The dynamic changes a lot. So I'm very interested to see what the Sacramento Kings do next year the expectations can really be crushing for a team and it, cha it it really hurts the continuity the chemistry and we've learned that very very harshly in boston now for toronto mm -hmm. you have the added thing of you've added two players now or a couple well more than two players yeah but mark gasol i thought i mean everybody thinks that was a pretty good pickup he seems to be playing pretty well. I haven't watched a ton of the Raptors, but what I've seen, he seems to be working pretty well. Give and goes with Kyle Lowry. Uh, I see him working out of like the high post. I see him flashing and, and hitting and hitting guys. Or it seems to be doing all right. How have you seen Gasol integrating so far? Yeah, it's been a little disjointed, obviously, because there were the two games before the All-Star break, and then you have the All-Star break to kind of ruminate on those, and then there's been two games out of the hop, and against the uh, Spurs on Friday, he had like five fouls, and only played 17 minutes, and was in foul trouble pretty much the entire time he was on the floor. Um, but, like, I've liked what I've seen, and I think 
Finally, yesterday in his fourth game with the team, Nurse Nick Nurse ended up starting him. Uh, didn't have Kawhi in the starting five, so you don't really know exactly how it all looks. But I think a lot of the issues the Raptors have had should be cleared up by Marcus Gasol starting with that starting five. Because, you know, as good as that lineup has been at times this year, and especially against the Celtics, which is interesting, and I'm curious to see, it's like the one team right now that I really feel confident in that lineup against. Otherwise, I'm very much on the start Gasol at center pretty much every game train right now. But that creates its own problems because the bench was awful yesterday and Nick Nurse has really not figured out how to properly use the rotation. And, like, in fairness... There's a lot of guys to work in, a lot of new bodies. Like, Jody Meeks appeared yesterday and hit, had 10 points, and it's like, oh, hey, Jody Meeks is on the team now. Uh, yeah, that was wild. Yeah. I, I forgot, I've forgotten <laughs> that Jody Meeks is on the team. Yeah. So I saw him, like, all of a sudden hitting these legs. Like, whoa, okay. So my experience watching the game Sunday, I was, like, in a car driving for the first half when Jody Meeks had all of his points, and then I get to my hotel room, and I, like, turn on the TV, and I see him brick, like, three straight shots, and I'm like, what? Where was all the good stuff? I missed all the good Jody Meeks. I may have missed the only good Jody Meeks in the history of his Raptors tenure. Uh, so we will see. But, yeah, it's just Nurse has not quite figured out the bench rotations, which is going to be very important because if you're moving Ibaka to the bench... Having a like creator who can make him shine is going to be critical, and I think Jeremy Lin's done a pretty decent job of doing that a little bit so far in their first couple games together. Um, but like, there's just not a ton of creation in that second unit, so I, I'm wondering exactly how Nurse is going to go about staggering it. And I've been saying since the deals happened that I think Nurse should be trying to go with like the Philly model, where just like he has a lot of very good players, he has Siakam and Gasol and Lowry and Leonard and Danny Green. There should be two of those guys in the court at all times, to me. And that's just not been the case. And it's just, it's, I'm getting a little frustrated because there's only 21 games left and I just want to see some sort of rotation continuity. But it's hard with Kawhi taking nights off, which I totally get and, and support because I think the long game with him is the most important. And respecting what he wants to do with his body might be the way, the key to his heart and keeping him around long term. So I'm cool just doing whatever it is Kawhi wants to do with his body and his playing time. Um, but it is coming at the cost of not getting that chemistry, not seeing Gasol play with the starters. And I think we've seen some nice little moments. And I think there were a couple possessions against the Spurs on Friday where like Gasol would get a pass from Kawhi and sort of turn it around and find Danny Green for three or something like that. And it just kind of like it all flows together. There's been a problem with the Raptors offense this season where there has just been kind of everyone kind of operating on their, on their own track, like Kawhi doing his own thing, just like commandeering possessions, Pascal Siakam commandeering his own possessions, and then like Kyle and Serge Ibaka working in their own little one-two sort of tunnel as well, Danny Green just sort of floating in the ether, just racking up good plus-minus numbers the entire time. Um, but like, it's just not really been cohesive, and I've been saying all along, like, Marcus Gasol seems like the kind of guy, a big man who sets mean screens and passes like a monster, like, feels like the kind of guy who could tie that all together and there's been really small sample examples of it working we just haven't seen it enough because nurse took three games of the 23 he had to work with to end up starting him and i, I just i'm the time is uh, getting a little bit short here to sort of make all these decisions with who's going to play where and when and so i'm still a little like unsure and uneasy about what it's all going to look like but at the same time i look at the roster i look at the experience they have i look at how like i just think 
Like, Kawhi is just a different beast, as we saw in that game on Friday. He's just a different beast than DeRozan. He's going to transfer to the playoffs a lot better. I think Marcus Gasol is more of a playoff player who can play in all matchups or most matchups in a way that Jonas Valanciunas couldn't really. I just think it's all going to transfer a lot better to the postseason than it has for the Raptors in the past. So, even with all these concerns, I'm like, yeah, but still, they're really talented and good. And, like, I'm not sure any of the regular season matters at all. So, like, we'll see what happens in the postseason. I believe in the talent. So, I'm not even sure how much it matters whether or not it, like, really comes together in the next couple weeks here with Gasol. But I do think the early sort of impressions have been good. With the Celtics, like, what was your reaction when this deal went down? As someone who covers a team who could potentially play the Raptors, like... Does the Gasol, the presence of Gasol kind of change how you view the Raptors, or is it kind of the same thing? Oh, I, I definitely, I thought, like, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, boy, here mm-hmm. we go. This could be tough. Uh, because he's hard to defend. He's a big, big, strong guy. So he can, it, it, it depends on, really, for the Celtics, if they have Aaron Baines. Yeah. And if they have Baines, which they won't for this game, then they, they can, when... Horford comes out, still throw a big body in there, and it, and a very, very good defender. So the Celtics will have a very good, big, strong defender in there against Gasol at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen Gasol when Baines was out when they played in Memphis, just completely, utterly destroy Daniel Tice. Just tear him to, tear him to shreds, and I like Daniel Tice. It's just this is not the matchup for him. And so one thing that we'll watch for in this game is how Brad Stevens matches up the Gasol minutes. Is he going to basically play Horford whenever Gasol is on the floor and when Gasol comes off, Horford comes off, uh, and and where do you go from there? Although, I don't know, how many, is, is the 20-some-odd minutes for Gasol kind of like the standard right now? Yeah, it's been, I think he's kind of creeping up a little bit. He only played 17 Friday again because of the foul trouble, but I do think... Like, we, we saw before the deal, like, Abaka was around, like, 26 to 29 most nights, sometimes getting to 30, while Valanciunas was in around the, like, 19 to 21 range. And I think eventually we'll see it flip to where it's Gasol playing that Abaka share of minutes and Abaka kind of taking on what Jonas was playing in around that 20-minute mark, just because I think Gasol, in most matchups, is going to be more useful than Abaka. Um, which sucks to say, because Abaka's been really good this year and probably doesn't deserve a demotion to the bench, but I just think with the way the team works, having that extra playmaking out there is going to be so crucial to help open up the potential of the starting five in particular. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll see it kind of creep up. I'm I'm hoping we see some good run against Boston, because it's the last opportunity to see the Celtics on the schedule. And again, like this could be a playoff matchup, so we know, like I said, I think it's 56 minutes this season for Ibaka with the starters, and it's been really good against Boston. I think a plus 20 net rating exactly. And so we know that's probably going to be okay, and it's probably going to work, and you're going to get by with that lineup. I would like to see some other stuff in this game, in particular Gasol getting a lot of run against Horford to see how that works, because we don't know what it's going to look like yet. We don't know if that lineup is going to be prone to sort of being carved open by, you know, Horford stretching it out for three and things like that. Um, so that's the thing I'm most looking for. I just want a lot of Gasol in this game, mostly. I want a lot of Gasol in all these games just to kind of get as much sample as we can because we know what it looks like with Ibaka. The starters with Ibaka have been actually a negative net rating since January 1st with a few exceptions of games where they've looked really, really good. And so I think maybe that's a lineup you sort of deploy more strategically as opposed to just doing it all the time. And for now, I just want to see as much as of Gasol with the starters as humanly possible and hopefully that starts because that hasn't really been the case so far in the Marcus All era. Hopefully we see that against Boston on Tuesday night. Um, one question I have for you with regards to the Celtics and how they match up against the Raptors. 
like, are you more confident in Kyrie being able to cook kind of uncontained against the Raptors than any other team in the East? Because obviously, like, Ben Simmons exists for, for Philly. And yes, like, Kyrie's done well against Philly, and they haven't really had an answer for him. Um, but, like, Ben Simmons is a very good defender. You have multiple defenders who can maybe take a run at Kyrie. You have, like, Eric Bledsoe, Malcolm Brogdon, decent enough defenders to throw at him if you're Milwaukee. The Raptors seem to be very prone to getting cooked by Kyrie. And maybe it's just a matter of, like, Kyle not having the speed to keep up with him. Like, is there something that you think the Raptors could do maybe to sort of turn the tide and maybe have a better, more of an advantage defending Kyrie? Because that still feels like they're one very sore weak spot when it comes to the Boston matchup. That definitely scares the hell out of me. Yeah, I would I would throw Danny Green on Kyrie. Yeah. Um, just or, or even even uh, maybe you do something crazy and throw like uh, I don't know like like OG and Nobi on him. Yeah, or something. I, I would do. I would do the uh, Pascal like they did with John Wall in the playoffs last yeah, year, just because. Yeah, that's a, that's a tra- just because that's fun and weird. Is, <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I think I think that's the way to go. The the one thing that uh, Kyrie even admitted, uh, what was it? I forget which game it was. Uh, that they threw. Jeez, oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on it, but they threw a bunch of height at him, and he didn't. He kind of admitted, like, "Oh yeah, I didn't know what to do with all that." Mm-hmm. And now it seems like the word is kind of out, like you. Start throwing some length at him, and if you can get Siakam on him or OG or at least Danny Green, mm-hmm. like just that extra height and length. Now the question is staying in front of him, mm-hmm. and what what he's going to do against. So if Siakam's in front of him, then and Siakam's a, a quick guy, but he, he's just going to try to dribble and and get Siakam's weight moving one way, mm-hmm. so he can blow by him the other. Like that's that's the risk. But right now, what I would say is. Uh, just throw as much height at him as you can and and see how that goes and the, then see how what the, the Celtics counter is going to be well can you get what switches can you get and what mismatches can you hunt so but right now I would start with I would start with some height on him and I would put Kyle Lowry on Marcus Smart and just let those just mm-hmm. you know whatever however you need to do it but get, get some height on Kyrie um, that would be my my adjustment uh, the I, I like your idea from a Toronto perspective. Like this, I think has to be a, an experimentation game for the Raptors, which would be good for the Celtics because I think it's in Nick Nurse's best interest to try weird things mm-hmm. against Boston in this game because it's not. I don't think it's going to cost the Raptors right now. I feel like you're pretty comfortable in that second seed. There's not going to be um, a big push. Like the Pacers are floating along, but they're not pushing to get into the second seed unless you're really trying to get to that top seed. If you're comfortable at, at two, then fine. I think this is the opportunity for Nick Nurse in this game to, like you said, go with Gasol. And I would, from your perspective, be putting Gasol in there with Al Horford every chance I get just Mm -hmm. to see because from a Boston perspective Boston's trying to win games they need wins so Boston's going to play some of the hands that they have Al Horford's playing extraordinarily well right now so you're going to start to see some of the the best that Al Horford has to offer and it'd be interesting I don't know if Brad Stevens ever going to say we should hold back on certain things maybe they won't call certain plays 
maybe they would say, do not call this, 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 and this, mm-hmm. because we want to save that. But everybody knows. By the time we get to the playoffs, everybody knows everybody's plays. And so I, I really think that Toronto has an advantage. It, it's weird to say. Toronto has an advantage that will probably mean you lose this particular game, but the data you can gather mm-hmm. from this game could be very valuable in an upcoming series. So if you're willing to possibly sacrifice this game, still play to win, but you know you, you play the weird lineups and hope those lineups are enough to win, but still play the weird lineups, still have the, the kind of bizarre matchups, and you say, what the hell is he doing here? This way, when he says, well, we've seen Gasol with Al Horford, and I would expect the Celtics to pick and pop and, you know, run this this set where they, you know, they have a couple of sets against their, you know, a big a big center where they set a couple of screens and whatever, whatever. I'm not going to go through all of it now, but mm-hmm. if they start whipping those things out, you say, all right, well, now there's something we can watch for. Mm-hmm. And now when they try that in the playoffs, there's something that we can defend that. And it's the chess game kind of goes that way. So... I guess, I guess in the end, what I expect from this game is the stuff we just talked about. I expect the Celtics, I, I kind of expect them to win, or at least have a chance to win. And I expect Toronto to be trying things, and mm-hmm. this, I think they should be. Yeah, here's hoping. Um, we're probably coming close to the end here, but just quickly. Uh, t- most to least comfortable in the Celtics' ability to beat the following Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, go. As far as in a playoff series? Yeah, in a playoff series. Most comfortable is Philly. Mm-hmm. Um, second, I will say, you know, okay, so in my heart, I'm, I want just, my reaction is to say second is Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Because I just don't trust, trust them. As much as Giannis is the best player in the East, and I think that's, I think that's clear, I don't, trust them over seven games with the style that they play and the personnel that they have. I think the Celtics defensively have shown the ability to limit Giannis's impact in that the other day they had they played him, he had a monster stat line, 30 mm-hmm. points and near triple-double, It looked, I think, or he had like six assists or whatever. At no point in that game did I think he was taking over. I think he was just steadily good, and he did a good job passing off of his penetration. He did a good job, but at no point was it like Giannis is the most unstoppable thing here, and and there's we're doing everything we can, and he's scoring twelve straight points. Like he didn't have that. I do wonder if Jason Tatum would agree with this sentiment. <laughs> <laughs> well. <sighs> We'll see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that you know, block. That block. Mwah. Beautiful. It's so good. Uh, yeah, there, there, I'm sure there are listeners right now who goes, what are you talking about? That was a foul. <laughs> but, uh, but whatever. Um, so I, I think I think the Raptors have more weapons that I am afraid of. Like Kawhi, like you said is in a, over a playoff series like he's going to get plenty of rest because there's two and three days off in between games mm-hmm. he he is the he and Kyrie are the two best individual players and you can argue who's better than the other but uh, 
you still have uh, Danny Green scares the hell out of me mm-hmm. because he's a good defender and he just always he, the ball always seems to find him with enough room to shoot and every time he shoots I feel like it's going to go in mm-hmm. uh, and Marcus Gasol granted that he, the, he might be a liability defensively but at the same time what he can do for an offense is, is tremendous and it's hard to guard that like he's like the Celtics are are great in part because Al Horford is great. Like, and I think Al Horford's better than Gasol mm-hmm. um, at, at this point in their way. But Gasol can still do a lot of great things, and, he, and him and I post he can pick a team apart. And if the Celtics aren't careful, which sometimes they're not, they can get picked apart. So that's that's an interesting dynamic. And then like, if Kyle Lowry can can be good, then that could swing a series, like mm-hmm. what the rap is on Kyle but if he can come out and, and if the pressure's off by him and he can be good in a playoff series in a conference final whenever they meet that that's that's scary to me so I would go Philly Philly, Milwaukee Toronto, okay so let's flip it to you then Yeah. same thing, same thing with Boston in there, Philly the easiest I think, the one I'm ha- most comfortable with, I think They've kind of owned. I mean, Kawhi owns Ben Simmons to a gr- to a degree that is kind of remarkable. <laughs> um, and like, it seems like he's been in his head all season long, and the number of like clutch turnovers he's forced on Simmons in uh, high leverage yeah. moments is uh, it gives me a lot of confidence. And also, I think Gasol against Embiid is a matchup you're pretty comfortable with. Uh, I would go. I would probably go Milwaukee too. And then Boston three. I don't want to see Boston. I think, uh, like the the Kyrie, like just taking it to the next level and just like just screwing around and putting up thirty five on your head, kind of scares me to a degree that you know doesn't really exist the same with any of the stars and the other teams. Even though Giannis is incredible, uh, I also think the Raptors, like while they're th- one and three against Milwaukee this season, like. I think they match up pretty well, and they have a lot of bodies they can throw at Giannis. Uh, probably more bodies than any team going right now. Like you can throw a Baca, you can throw Kawhi, you can throw OG, who's done a surprisingly really good job against Giannis in their careers, uh, and then Siakam as well can stick with them a little bit. So it's just like a lot of different looks you can throw at him, which I think matters in a playoff series instead of just like Giannis getting used to one or two different guys. It's going to be just like a whole gaggle of dudes that gets thrown at him. Um, and then, like, I agree with the whole, I'm not sure how much the Bucks hold up in the postseason with, like, Bledsoe and Chris Middleton as their second-best player. I think the gulf between Giannis and the second-best Buck is, like, significantly greater than the gulf between any other best player on any of these teams and the second-best player, which, it's reductive and simplistic, but I think that matters in a playoff series. I think it matters to have a lot of guys who you can count on, and, like, Kyle Lowry's coming around, his shooting really well lately, and I think that kind of mid-season spell of him not being super healthy is a bit behind him, and he's looking a lot more lately like the player who started the season who looked like prime Steve Nash, and that player gives me a lot of confidence. And so, yeah, and like Siakam is a nice little wild card too. You can throw against any of these teams. So I feel, other than Boston, where I think it's like a coin flip, I feel pretty confident 
in the Raptors against both Philly and Milwaukee, I guess I would say. I just probably more confident against Philly just because of the matchup advantages that seem just so, so obvious that are not going to be solved by anything because Ben Simmons need to, needs to be on the floor. You can't just, like, take Ben Simmons off to hide him from Kawhi. He's just going to be out there, and Kawhi's going to be haunting him every step of the way. Um, so that's, yeah, I think I think we're both in agreement then that, like, Philly and Bo- or Toronto and Boston, they feel like the two most, like, playoff-worthy teams. Um, and like Philly and Milwaukee fans who hear this might scream, but I kind of I kind of think that is the right opinion. Um, as great as Milwaukee's been this year, I just I'm not sure in how that system is going to translate to the playoffs, where all of the margins where they kind of find themselves having advantages, like teams work on those margins in the playoffs and they close them. And like you know the way the Milwaukee like lets bad shooters shoot all the time. Everyone's going to do that in the playoffs to every team. Like, Marcus Smart is going to be able to take all the wide-open threes he wants. Patrick Pascal Siakam is going to be able to take all the wide-open threes he wants against any of these other teams that they're playing. Like, Milwaukee's style of defense, it's like they're almost playing a playoff defense in the regular season, and that is resulting in very good results. But I think that's gonna that gap is going to close a little bit as everyone starts playing playoff defense because that's what you do in the playoffs. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, totally, totally. Yeah. And there are, there are questions. There are questions about Budenholzer, Budenholzer's um, playoff adjustments. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there are questions about, uh, like you said, the defensive style. I, I don't want to make it seem like I'm, I'm crapping all over the Bucks because I'm not. I think they've been really good. I like that team. Like, mm-hmm. I like the Bucks. If I, if I wasn't covering the Celtics, and, you know, if you take the Celtics off of the board – the Bucks might be the team I, I like most in the East as far as just watching. Of course, I'm partial to Kumpo because, you know, we've got the Greek thing going on. But still, I, I think I think they're fun. And they're, it's a fun story and all of that. Um, but again, it's funny. We are very similar in our assessments. We both have teams that are not afraid of the Philadelphia 76ers. <laughs> For, in the Sixers, I'm sure Sixers fans, if any of them are listening to this, They'd be like losing their minds, but it's been shown. We both have ways to counter Ben Simmons. Both have ways to counter Joel Embiid. And when push comes to shove, those are the two guys, even though they've got Jimmy Butler, even though they've got Tobias Harris, even though they've got J.J. Redick, those are the two guys that when it's down the stretch in the fourth quarter, they're the two that have the ball, get the ball, and are expected to execute. So... That's uh, when you have strong count to that. It's obviously you could lose the game, but I feel very confident in that. Mm-hmm. I'm also, as an aside, we won't really need to get into this, but I don't know that that makes Jimmy Butler feel very good that <laughs> he's not like number one. Like I, I don't think Jimmy Butler's coming back to Philly next year. Like that's that's gonna be wild. But that's a whole other podcast. He uh, is Danny okay, Green so, on Philly. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I'm afraid that that we're going to lose Marcus Morris to Philly. Uh, so, like, it's going to be it's going to be wild. Um, so, all right. So that's it. Um, I feel I feel like I feel like the Celtics might might win this game. Yeah. I, I feel like I feel like this is because that's what they do. And I think, like we said, Toronto is in experimentation mode, and I think they should be in experimentation mode. Is that something that you're kind of on board with? Yeah, I think uh, I think it'll be a very close game. I think the Raps are really good at home, so I I like 
I hesitate to pick against them, but like the way they're playing, the way it's not really been all together, it's a little bit disjointed. I think maybe they'll lose this one. Um, and like you said, Boston maybe is more urgent for wins than the Raptors are right now too. So yeah, I'll say Boston wins. All right. Yeah. All right, Sean. Well, appreciate you hopping on for for a minute. Yeah, man. Uh, of course. Many uh, minutes. This was great. This was. Many, uh, many. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we always do that. Like, can you come on for like fifteen minutes? Forty-five minutes later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, everybody go follow Sean Woodley on Twitter at Woodley with an E at Woodley Sean and listen to the Locked On Raptors podcast. It's always great, I think, to listen to the other team's podcast before and after a game just to get an idea of what they're thinking and what you see because we see things from a Boston perspective. Go listen to the Locked On Raptors after the game so you can get in a sense for things from the other team's perspective and make you, I think, a better fan, a more informed fan. Sean, once again, thank you for joining us. Of course, man. Uh, we'll do it again when they play in the playoffs in the second round, right. baby. <laughs> <laughs> you got it, man.